Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys, how is everyone doing? I am so excited because I've been spending this week getting things all set up and ready for the next round of my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. And I've also been finishing up with some amazing one-on-one clients and enrolling some new people who are going to be starting their coaching packages over the next few weeks, which is also so, so exciting. And I just love introducing new people to this work because it really did change my life. So it makes me so excited when I get more people on board to come on this journey with me. And before I get into the podcast episode for today, I wanted to say that if you're interested in ways of working with me, or you just want to make sure we stay in touch and you don't miss out on any masterclasses I do or freebies or courses I launch in the future, go and get on my email list. It's the best place to be to make sure we never miss each other. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes to join up and you'll get two emails each week covering a few topics that we tend to dive into on the podcast but they'll be landing straight in your inbox instead. So go do that. So today's episode, I want to focus on questioning everything we think we know, which I realize sounds like a very philosophical and deep topic, which in many ways it is. So most of us think that the way we think about things is just the not. We say things like, after four months of dating, you'd expect to have met their friends, or they haven't had sex for two months, their relationship must be in trouble. Or, I'm 35 and single, something must be wrong with me. Or, I only have two friends, I want to come to my baby shower, that's so lame, I'm such a loser. And a good way to watch out for some of these sneaky thoughts that we may want to question is when we use words like should and shouldn't. So, they should have asked me to be their bridesmaid. Or, they should text me back faster. Or, we should be having more sex. Or, we should be living together by now or they should pay for dinner on the first date. Each of these sentences are examples of optional opinions and subconscious beliefs. Things we've decided are true, meanings we've attached to certain circumstances being a certain way, and generalized assumptions our brains have made. And when left unchecked, they can cause so much pain and suffering in our lives. So while you're listening to this podcast, I want you to really start to consider the thoughts and beliefs your brain offers you, things it just assumes are true and things you just blindly take on board without pausing to question and start asking yourself, where did I first learn that that was true? Who said that? Your brain doesn't make these decisions about what's right, wrong, normal, irregular, good or bad out of nowhere. Your brain's been absorbing information since the day you were born in places like your upbringing, the people around you, your friends, the TV shows you watch, what you see online, what you see other people doing. And they all shape the beliefs that you have about the world. And they aren't always beliefs that serve you. A lot of the time, they're beliefs that definitely don't serve you. (laughs) And when left unquestioned, we can create so much pain and suffering for ourselves and limit ourselves massively. Our experience of the world is really created by our brain and its narration of it, the way it interprets it. 
So really considering how your experience of your life and your relationships may be being tarnished by unchecked beliefs and assumptions your brain has is so, so powerful. One of my one-on-one clients who signed up to coaching to work on her anxiety within her relationships, but of course this work goes so much deeper, so we often talk about other areas of her life too, like her job, she said to me in a session the other day, I'm just not very successful. Now that just seemed like a fact to her. She thought that she was just observing the fact that she hadn't had much success in her career. But let's hold on a second and look at the subconscious assumptions and optional opinions going on there. Firstly, the definition of successful. She assumed that her brain's definition of successful was just a fact. And when I pushed her on what that was, she said it was someone who owned their own property and made six figures a year. And I was like, damn, by that definition, I cannot count myself as successful. And we laughed because obviously when she considered it, she realized that that was a completely made up definition. But her brain had picked it up from somewhere. It had picked up that in order to see herself as successful, those were the things she had to have achieved. Whereas somebody else might believe that they are so successful for being able to pay their rent this month or pay off their credit card or just keep trying new things even if they fail. Someone else might think they're a success just because they're alive in this world, doing the best they can. Someone else might be a stay-at-home mum and consider themselves a huge success or have a part-time job while they're studying. Like, it really, really doesn't matter. You could give me any circumstance. It doesn't matter what it is. The definition of success is totally made up. And my client said that she'd learned this belief from scrolling through Instagram and seeing people posting about their income and their properties. So her brain had taken in this information and made a decision. A decision that she had to define success by those restricted set of circumstances. And it felt terrible. And our brains are making decisions about these things all of the time. Like how attractive we are. Did you know that you get to believe you're beautiful inside and out, regardless of the circumstance of your body, hair or face? Why? Because beauty isn't an objective thing. It's totally subjective and made up. And most of us have had society shape and form our definition of what we allow ourselves to see as beautiful. We think we can't see wrinkles as beautiful or stretch marks or fat tissue or spots and blemishes. But consider where you learned that from. You weren't born as a baby worried about gaining weight or the lines on your skin. You learned that. And just consider what outside influences have shaped the way your brain thinks about beauty. In the culture I grew up in, and likely yours too, being thin has always been seen as more beautiful. But did you know there are cultures where being larger is actually seen as more beautiful and associated with beauty? And even in our own culture, between the 1500s and the 1900s, bodies that were bigger and more substantial were considered the most visually attractive. It's all totally made up, guys. Is a smaller body more attractive than a larger body? There is no answer. It's an opinion. It's like saying is a butterfly more beautiful than a rose? It neither is or it isn't. It's totally subjective. So really consider that for a second. And this might hurt your brain a little. 
But whatever you see when you look in the mirror, did you know it's 100% an option to think of it as beautiful? There are people who are out there believing they're beautiful, who don't look like models you see on Instagram and who don't spend hours perfecting their summer bodies and who aren't stressing about covering up blemishes or lines on their face. And they are 100% beautiful. And there are people who you may be envy as you scroll through Instagram who sit and tell themselves they're not good enough or beautiful enough all day long. And they too are 100% beautiful. And a lot of my clients say to me, but even if I choose to see myself as beautiful, other people might not agree. And my answer is yes, some won't. But that's true of every single person on this planet. Some people will think you're beautiful and others won't. Just like some people will love your personality and others won't. But what if you were to stop letting the ideas of society and the people who have negative things to think or say about you, what if you stopped letting them choose what you got to believe? Another example is what we think is normal in our relationships. (laughs) Do you have subconscious assumptions about who should be the one to text first? about what it means to send two messages, one straight after the other, or how often you should be having sex, or what's a normal amount to argue, or maybe you think arguing means something is terribly wrong with the relationship. Now, I'm not saying we should just throw our brains out of the window and never have another thought ever again, (laughs) that would be crazy, but each of the thoughts and beliefs we have, each of these decisions that your brain has made, have been influenced by the people around you and are all optional. In my group coaching program, which is now closed for enrollment, but will be opening its doors again in a few months time, one of the members of the previous round had just gone through a breakup and she was saying how she just thinks that there's something wrong with her because she keeps going out with guys and it doesn't last. So when we actually looked at the facts of the situation, the facts were she'd had two long-term relationships. She's in her late 20s, she'd had two long-term relationships, as well as some less committed dating experiences over the years that had lasted for a shorter amount of time. Now, her brain's belief was that because these relationships had ended, something must have gone wrong, something was wrong with her. And her brain had presupposed that relationships ending mean that something's gone wrong. She must be doing something wrong. Why did it end? There must be a problem. And so many of us have learned this, probably from watching Disney films that promise the happily ever after or rom-coms that suggest that once the credit rolls, their life is a blissful, perfect moment of never-ending perfection. Think of the phrase failed marriage or failed relationship. It's the idea that if a relationship ends, it's failed. But you know what that is? Another optional belief. Did you know choosing to think of a relationship as a failure just because it's ended is totally 100% optional? You could choose to think it was a successful, amazing, beautiful relationship that lasted three years or three months. Now, this might seem overwhelming. I'm basically saying that you can't trust a single thing your brain says. (laughs) No, I'm not, I promise you. Let's all take a breath. What I am saying is the way you see the world and the way you interpret things, the things you believe are normal or supposed to happen, the ways you see yourself and your relationships, 
they're all actually optional and made up. And you just get to go back through and look at these thoughts and beliefs and reassess them and choose them again on purpose. Maybe think about the people you were around the most in your early years. So as a child or a teenager, who were your biggest influences? Consider what might they have taught you about love? What might they have taught you about success? What success looked like? What might they have taught you about beauty and attractiveness? What might they have taught you about what was important in life and what wasn't? What strict rules about relationships have you absorbed from caregivers or TV shows or songs you've heard or friends you've spoken to? Think about the pop stars you loved or the magazines you read when you were younger. What might your brain have absorbed from those places and decided were just simply true for you? I used to read so many magazines all teaching me some kind of five quick steps to make them like me and how to get a flat stomach for summer. (laughs) So that was naturally what my brain learned was very important, being liked by others and how my body looked in a bikini. And if you're a woman listening to this podcast, consider what you've subconsciously been taught about how your life is supposed to look. And this will be the same for men as well. But this is definitely something that's true for women and something I, as a woman, has definitely experienced. And most of the women I coach come with this same kind of thinking error. And I recently had this realization that I'd always known I wanted to have children, but not because as a child, I actually had any way of making that decision from an intentional place and was making an informed decision. (laughs) But because that's what I had been taught was the way my life was supposed to look. From when I was a child, I was taught I was supposed to go to university, get a job, get married and have two children. This shit doesn't come out of nowhere. It's presented to us and reflected to us by what we see, what we see modelled by the people around us, what we hear, what we read, and then we absorb it as a fact and never question it. And we make us not doing or following what we've been taught as the norm mean something terrible. A friend of mine has been in a relationship for 10 years with her boyfriend and they own a flat together and she'd really like to get engaged and she's been seeing other people get engaged and feeling really, really terrible about it. But what do we know is true from listening to this podcast? Say it with me. Circumstances don't cause our feelings. So the circumstance of her not being engaged is not what was making her feel terrible. What is making her feel terrible? Her thoughts about what it means that she isn't engaged. Her belief that she should be by now and that it means something bad if she isn't. When in reality, she has an amazing relationship with her partner. They are on the same page. He does want to propose eventually and they've built a strong relationship that's lasted 10 years and they love the hell out of each other. Yet somewhere in her brain, the expectation that it should be different is messing with her feeling amazing about the way it is. I had a similar thing with my friendship anxiety, which you'll have heard me talk about a little bit on the podcast before. I grew up watching shows like Saved by the Bell, and then later on shows that were set in universities like Skins and Fresh Meat, and then shows like Friends and Sex in the City. (laughs) And I don't know if you've seen any of those shows I've mentioned, or you can probably just think of your own examples of shows you've watched, but I feel like the theme is that there's always a core friendship group, 
So the main character or the main characters will have a group of, say, four to five best friends and they're all each other's best friends in a group. So each of them share the same best friends and they'll hang out every single day in the same place and be all up in each other's lives on a daily basis. And although they only ever seem to hang out with each other, when it comes to throwing a party, they suddenly have 30 plus other friends that we've never heard of or seen who are totally available to come to their party and hang out with them. (laughs) So I watch these shows, these constructed narratives with fake characters on TV, and the beliefs my brain absorbed were, I should have multiple best friends that I see consistently and constantly, every week at the minimum, but really it should be every other day. And I should also have a huge wider group of friends to fill a room with for occasions like birthdays or Halloween parties. (laughs) And in reality, life, or at least my life, does not look like that, especially in my late 20s, where everyone has jobs and relationships and commitments, and seeing each other involves booking at least two weeks in advance, sometimes three to four weeks. As well as TV shows I watched, I also compared myself to people's pictures on Instagram where they'd be surrounded by 30 of their closest friends on their birthday. (laughs) While I had like maybe three or four people I'd like to invite over and hang out with me on my birthday. (laughs) And my brain would make my reality not matching the reality of TV shows or people's highlights on their Instagram page mean something terrible, mean that I'm not likeable or good enough that there's something wrong with me. I thought I was doing friendship wrong because for me, it didn't look the way I'd seen it portrayed. This is why learning to separate out the facts of a situation from the story your brain has about it is so, so important. Because without challenging these assumptions, we create so much unnecessary pain for ourselves and zap our lives of so much joy. The biggest place to watch out for unhelpful belief sharing is social media. There's so many Instagram pages promoting this kind of black and white thinking, made up opinions and marketing them as facts. And it's such a hotbed for comparing your life to somebody else's and how they're doing things, which by the way, is always just their highlight. It's never the true reality of their life anyway. But you maybe even read the comments of posts and see things like, it's totally disrespectful for your boyfriend to message female colleagues. Or if they really liked you, then they'd call you X amount or whatever made up rule this person has decided is definitely true if they like you. You know what these things are examples of? Say it with me. Optional opinions. (laughs) Made up assumptions based on human brains, taking in information and making decisions and judgments. And often we reinforce our brain's assumptions by sharing them with others who have the same assumptions and then we just perpetuate our own suffering. (laughs) Let's take the example of it's disrespectful to message female colleagues. Assuming that you're talking about a partner who is a male and you're in a heterosexual relationship. Is that always true? Can no man ever be friends with a female? Why? Who said? Is it possible your partner could totally have a platonic female friend? Is this always an action taken from a place of lack of respect or sneakiness? Does it always mean they fancy that person? Or could they just like them as a friend? Could it be something else? What else could be driving them? 
Do you ever speak to people who are the same gender as your partner? And is it always a disrespectful act if you do? (laughs) Challenging all of this and noticing the subconscious assumptions is so, so powerful. And by the way, this is not me saying question these things and always choose to think it's not disrespectful or it's the opposite of what you initially thought. You want to assess the facts and make an intentional choice. Maybe certain things you do want to see as disrespectful. But all I'm saying here is do it intentionally. And after really questioning your default assumptions, don't just make the judgment based on what your brain tells you is a fact. Because brains are always just regurgitating the limiting and unuseful shit we've picked up and absorbed from here, there and everywhere. This is one of the biggest truths I always have to bring my brain back to. And that is to question everything I think I know. And this doesn't mean gaslight myself and deny the facts of the world or my reality. And this doesn't mean questioning myself from an anxious, I can't trust myself kind of energy and looking to other people to tell me what I should think and experts online to tell me what's right and wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is noticing the assumptions your brain is having and looking at them through a curious lens. Not a mean, judgmental, God, you're so stupid, you don't know anything or self-doubt kind of lens, a curious lens. Hmm, okay, this is what I'm thinking about this. I wonder if this is true. I wonder what else might be true that my brain's not considering. So step one is always get clear on the facts. So my boyfriend is having after-work drinks with a female co-worker, or I have two friends coming to my birthday gathering, or I weigh X amount on the scales, Those are all examples of facts. Notice how there's no judgment, no opinion, no belief that it's good, bad, right, wrong. They're just things that everyone would agree with. They're facts. Then get curious about what your brain is telling you about those facts. And ask yourself, when did I first decide that this meant that? When did I first decide that this was true? Who else might I have seen thinking about this in this way or behaving in this way? Where did I pick this up from? And just questioning it a little. Does that always mean what I'm making it mean? Could it mean something else? What might someone who believes the complete opposite of what my brain is saying be thinking? What is my brain not considering when it makes this assumption? What else could be true here? How would I love to feel about this? And what would someone who felt that way be believing? And the best way to consider if a belief is serving you or acting against you is by considering how you feel and show up to your life when you believe it. Does this belief feel good? And most importantly, does it help you show up to the world as the person you want to be? If not, this may be a reason to consider changing it. You can honestly start to see your relationships and your life in a whole new light when you stop casting a shadow over them with your preconceived judgments, unhelpful beliefs and unquestioned assumptions. And this is exactly what I help each of my one-on-one clients with and those enrolled in my group coaching program. We go through and we look at all of the thoughts and beliefs in your brain and we question them and look at them from all angles so you can show yourself where your power is. And I want to be clear, I have no clue what any of you should think or believe. I am not that powerful. I cannot tell you. 
this work isn't about me being the expert that can tell you what's the right thing to believe. Because as we know, all beliefs are optional. (laughs) They're all optional opinions. A coach I love always uses the example, is a rock dangerous or beautiful? (laughs) Well, someone might think a rock is dangerous, could hit you over the head and kill you. Someone might think a rock is beautiful. It's part of nature. Who's right? Neither and both. Totally optional opinions. So anyone that's considering getting involved with coaching with me, just know I don't have the answers over what you should believe. What I do have is tools and coaching skills to help you and your brain come to that conclusion for yourself and take that power back so that you are the one in charge of how you think, feel and show up to your life. And I'm currently taking on new one-on-one clients in June time. And the doors to the next round of my group coaching program are likely to open again in August or September. I'm not 100% sure yet. So again, if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on juicy offers or openings I have and ways to work with me, then make sure you go and get on my email list. The link is in the show notes. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope it gave you something to think about over the weekend or rest of the week, depending on when you're listening to this. And I will speak to you all soon. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 